The following is a replay of a live show that aired Wednesday, February 14th at 5 o'clock p.m. The opinions expressed do not reflect the opinions of the University of Wisconsin-Madison or its Board of Regents. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Hello all, welcome to another edition of After Further Review on WSWM 91.7 FM Madison. I'm Vince Hasbrook, here with me is Alex Schuster. Alex, how you been today, buddy? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Getting over uh, the, the sickness I dealt with last week, so I'm hoping I'll do a little less mouth breathing this week and uh, I sound a whole lot better. Wait, so were you sick last week on the show? I was, and it sounded terrible when I oh, listened man. back. I felt really, really bad about that. Yeah, I'm sure you probably just caused some sort of polio epidemic around the radio station. But moving right past that, we'll have a, the WSM debut here from Ian Wilder. Ian, great to have you. I'm so sorry that uh, I am your trainer at WSUM. It will be a great inconvenience upon you, but I hope you're able to survive nonetheless. No, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be part of the, part of the show. Well, good first move. You're on the right track right now. So as always, we'll start with Rate My Take. The two of us give our sports opinions, or I guess three of us give our sports opinions ahead of time, and then give it to the other people for judgment. Alex, I can see you are spinning the spinner right now. I forgot to swap out the names, but it's okay because it landed on myself. Uh, And I'm going to start us off. uh, I feel like I have to talk about it. Uh, uh, Going back to the well here with Brock Purdy conversation, I'm joking. No, oh, no, I, I, was, I, I did enough I of that. Cry. <laughs> I did enough of that. But I will talk about uh, the Super Bowl and the NFL, uh, just ending this off for a little bit here. But I, I think the NFL it was a great Super Bowl, entertaining for the second half and the overtime. But my one gripe was that the NFL needs to sort out the overtime rules. I, the ref did a great job explaining it for the fans at home, but even then, it was still a little bit confusing. Uh, as you know, during the game. Uh, the 49ers uh, and for the Chiefs sent the game to overtime. 49ers got the ball to start overtime. Kyle Shanahan makes the the call to receive the ball rather than deferring, which was uh, a pretty questionable decision. But um, that's what he went with at the end of the day. Uh, and then 49ers go on a long drive, ends with a field goal. Chiefs get the ball back, score a touchdown right at the end of that regulation period in overtime. And this was like, I was so confused because I thought there was a chance that time could run out on them. Apparently it wouldn't have even mattered anyways, which I think is, is so stupid. If you, What's the point of having that clock at all if it doesn't matter? And then after the game, uh, 49ers fullback Kyle Juszczyk admitted that they, they didn't really know the rules. They hadn't prepared for it. They, they were fairly confused, didn't know what was going on, which I just think is, is ridiculous. It's on Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers to prepare for every possible outcome. And, I mean, the decision, you can say what you want about that. I think either way, the Chiefs would have won the game, uh, no matter what call he makes. I, I think in overtime, I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes. So you can say what you want about that. I don't think it really matters. But the biggest problem for me with all that is just how confusing it was. I mean, the players on the field and the fans at home, I, I think it, it's stupid that you have to have two very confusing sets of rules for overtime in the regular season and in the postseason. I don't know why you can't just make it the same. And then also why you have rules that, that like a clock that just means absolutely nothing for some reason on there. Like I feel like it's just overly complicated. They need to simplify things a little bit more to make it and just maintain it. I don't know why you would change things from the regular season to the postseason, especially when the postseason are the most important games of the season. There's no reason to suddenly change 
the format of the game and, and the rules for that. You know, Alex, you and I, we have really got along very well the last couple of weeks. We haven't really disagreed with each other. We've really been on the same page with everything. Uh, that being said, this is a three out of ten. I really love the new overtime rules. I totally understand. I like why it. I think I think they should make it the same for the regular season. I, I think they Oh, so they, you're they, saying that they just, should institute the current thing for the entire yeah, regular their season. process is that, just too confusing. They need to straighten it out. They tried to fix it. They're on the right path, but they're not quite there yet. Yeah. That's I, the that's the take. Okay, right I see. I I'll actually change it then. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you an eighth. I'll jump it all the way up because, yeah, I'm with you on that one. We all agree that the playoff rules are better than the regular season rules. That's why they changed them in the or after the the aftermath of the Bills Chiefs game, where you know the Chiefs get the ball in overtime, Bing Bang Boom, they win the game. You can't respond if you're the other team, and yeah, it's better now. So you can just add that to the normal games. You make a good point. I don't see why not. Uh, but talk about the 49ers. What a disaster that it wasn't just that they didn't know the rules is that they felt comfortable enough admitting that they didn't know the rules. But here's what would have been really funny is if the 49ers scored the game winning touchdown as they, they thought it was. And then their players would have stormed the field. They would have had to been called off and imagine if they lost after that. It would have been quite the sight. But um, yeah, I'm with you on that one. And I'm especially with you that the 49ers really botched that whole overtime sequence. A hundred percent. And I think that the one thing that I would change with the over like the postseason overtime rules they have right now is I don't get the point of having the right like the clock on there you just need the play clock that does make sense but if you're just going based on the number of possessions there's no reason to add a clock at all like if we're just going until one team wins it doesn't like what's the time constraint there for yeah, I think there's... It just confused me because I, I really thought there was a chance that the Chiefs could end up running out of, out of time there. I mean, it does happen a lot where it just... I, I wouldn't expect Andy Reid to mismanage the clock, but at the same time, you never know what could happen. And uh, I, I thought that was on the table there. And it kind of got my hopes up for no reason. I mean, I did think the Chiefs were going to score, but I thought that was the 49ers one out was just using up enough of the, the clock that the Chiefs couldn't score. Well, I wonder if the 49ers defense, maybe even as the Chiefs are going down on that game-winning drive, wondering why they, why are they not calling timeout? The clock's going to run out on them. Oh, darn, they beat us with one second left in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The clock is very confusing. I think it's just that way they flip the fields. Maybe in double overtime stuff changes, but yeah, it's the fact that we don't know this, I, I think that the NFL could maybe do a better job with explaining. That being said, uh, if it's up to Kyle Shanahan to teach his players the rules, maybe it's up to us talking heads as well. Ian, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I'm going to give that one probably probably a 7 out of 10. I think I think the big thing is we, we have to remember, I think overtime is never going to be satisfying. You see, You see people complain about it in every sport. I mean, it's definitely a problem that people don't know the rules, and that's why the take goes so high for me. But like, you gotta get you gotta get it to a point where it's uniform. Like, there's no 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 debate in my mind even about that. You gotta get it to a point where everyone knows the rules, right? Because like, my question is, if San Francisco had known, they might have called a timeout before that play, right? Because I think, you know, if you, if they had time to drop a different defense, that play could look different. But I think they didn't call a timeout because they thought the clock could realistically expire. And it just totally changes like the way you prepare during the regular season. If a game happens to go to overtime, you tell your players all season long, like, this is the way we do things. Yeah, like then the Chiefs do. Why all of a sudden would you have to, like, totally flip things? It, it shouldn't. It just needs consistency across the board. For sure. Yeah, I'm with you. Real quick before we jump to the next topic, I'm pretty sure that deferring is the right move in overtime because that way if the other team scores, you get a chance to go down and you know you have the fourth downs too. Plus, if you do score, you don't want to give it back to them, you can just try and go for two and end the game right there. But 
I feel like that gives you multiple chances. Maybe I'm wrong. Because the logic are going first is that if you score, the other team scores, then you have the ball, you can kick a game-winning field goal. But I think that... Or if you trust your defense enough to get a stop, all you yeah, need is the field but goal. But you could say that almost in regular overtime as well, which I think teams that kick the ball in overtime haven't won, but it doesn't happen very frequently. I see what you're saying, though. And they made the point that maybe uh, the 49ers' defense would just gas. But are you guys both with me, though, that well, you defer? Co- for the sure. coach also said that wasn't a factor in his decision. He, you're he right. said it was... Uh, just that's what they thought was the best move at the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Shanahan knows way more than I do. Uh, it's just a discussion topic, and I understand why he'd want to get the defense out the field. It's always funny how the defense is always tired, but the offense is the one that has all the momentum. I don't get how that works as a two-way street. No, I'm, I'm with you on deferring, though. Like, because, like, they, they went for three, right? That never happens, right? Like, realistically, I think Kansas City goes and gets that touchdown, even if they had went first. Um and so, like, you know, they San Francisco would have had another shot to go for it. So, like, in my mind, that's deferring with those overtime rules makes 100% sense. Yeah, I think you're totally right. It's almost like a plan for the worst, hope for the best. I would, at that point, the way the Chiefs offense was looking, they really were dissecting the defense, and they were just bing, bang, boom down the field. You had to almost go with the expectation they were going to score a touchdown. So I think giving yourself the opportunity to defer was probably the way to go. But I'm sorry, I, I took over your take there, Alex. I, I, that's totally fine. Is this the first time we've seen these rules pan out, like, since oh, they made the change? I don't know off the top of my head. I feel like it is, but I might be wrong about that. I don't know. That should have been something I tried. They, they may have been in place. I just don't know how many overtime playoff I games we've had. I don't think we've had one since they've been in place. Yeah. You might be right on that one. Um, but... I, I think this is something that it's going to be more obvious as we go along that it is the better move, but I could see to- like people totally flipping down the line of like, all right, it plays out this way where the team gets the ball, they just score right away, and everyone just totally flips right away because it's, it's what just happened. But I think right when the, the rules came out, everyone kind of unanimously agreed, all right, so you, you definitely want to kick the ball off then. Cool beans. Glad we're all on the same page. So it's okay if I go ahead then? Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. So I'm also going to talk about the NFL. And the 49ers, a constant theme throughout this core has been a lot of wins and a lot of talking. And that's definitely been the case this year as well. Uh, 49ers have talked trash just about every elite team that they've beaten. You talk about the Lions, namely the Cowboys, uh, Debo Samuel, even at media day against the Eagles called James Bradbury trash and said that the E doesn't consider them to be a rivalry. And they really have been going all out with talking bad about these teams and why not because they've really beaten them um they've shown they're the better team and until the other teams can beat them and get on their level uh they have a right to talk except this right do the part where i flip and say oh i disagree with myself on that one because i really think the four nights just have to stop talking right now because there's only two kinds of teams in sports and it's the winners and the losers and these teams that they've trash talked have historically been much better than the 49ers not just in the last hundred years also at the micro level, the last 20 years, because, look, the Packers, yes, they own us. And I say us. I'm a Packer fan, Ian. Uh, who, who do you cheer for again? Oh, this is, this is going to be a tough one. I'm a Lions fan. Lions fan. Okay. No, no. We, we love Lions fans. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're with you. We're, we're joined by love hatred. I'm closer to a we different. We tolerate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll take it. It's better, better than where it used to be. For a division rival, I think that that's as close to positive as yeah. you're going to get. I think that's I'll a good point. It. We're like the U.S.-Canada border. We're, we're, we're about <laughs> as positive as it gets. 
but yeah, 49ers have owned the Packers. Uh, they've owned the Eagles. They've owned the Cowboys. But I'd say that all three teams have had more success than the 49ers. Because every player on every team, all they say is, yeah, we won the game. It's a step forward towards the ultimate goal, winning the Super Bowl. And yes, they did beat the Eagles. But as Fletcher Cox is quick to point out, after the Super Bowl ended, Debo Samuel has not won a Super Bowl. And Fletcher Cox has. Of The Eagles won in 2017. Packers won in 2010. But surely the hapless laughed at Cowboys the 49ers have won a championship before them. In fact, the Cowboys won it 1996. 49ers 1995 was their last one. So all three of these teams have won the Super Bowl before this 49ers team has as well. And the Packers have been the team that's described as the choke squad. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. You only have two Super Bowls, only one with Rodgers down that stretch. And Packers really have choke. Lost four conference championships, 11-10 and 10 playoff record. It just has not been good in the playoffs. I'm sure Ian just loves to hear me talk about that. Yeah. But I'd say that the 49ers have choked harder than the Packers in the playoffs with how this has gone. Because in the same stretch, the Aaron Rodgers era, the 49ers have also lost four conference championships. But on top of that, they've lost three Super Bowls as well. So I'm just saying, seeing what I see here, the 49ers, yes, they might be better among all the losers, but there's still only two categories. It's winners and losers. And until the 49ers get that win, they just got to stop talking. I... I, I like the take. I, I feel like part of the reason they slide under the radar with that is the fact that they've been to the conference championship. I mean, the Cowboys haven't been to the conference championship since uh, that Super Bowl run. So there is a slight difference in there where the, the 49ers have had the opportunity and let it slip. So I, I do think that makes them bigger chokers. Which, which, I mean, it, it should be more noteworthy than it is especially as Packer fans, I feel like we have to just let it fly under our radar because as soon as you say anything about it, they can just turn around and point out all the, the horrible, horrible uh, games we've yeah. had against them. But I, this is a tough one for me to rate. I think this is a, a solid seven. Um, I agree that the, the 49ers have collapsed, but I, I think you like uh, chirping in that part of the game – like it's always gonna happen, and like it's it's kind of a sign. It's a kind of a good sign where like you can tell that the players have that much passion and emotion for the game that yeah, they're willing to hold on to those even after the season's done, and then it builds those storylines over the summer, and then on when the schedules come out, and you're like, oh wait, Eagles 49ers, they play week whatever and then it just builds all the way up until that matchup again and I feel like all these things happen while the players are actively playing but then once they retire they're more willing to kind of cooperate with each other and and, and be a little more friendly yeah and I I thought about this Uh, you do make a good point though because I love it I love rivalries the trash talking but I feel like rivalries are meant to be through history the Packers and Bears play each other literally hundreds of times so they have the right to trash talk each other if the Bears beat the Packers yeah sure throw some shade at us Eagles and Cowboys they got their same stuff but the 49ers have been the ones who have generated all of these conflicts because I mean you just look at teams that you see it on the schedule those marquee games I'd say 49er Packers that's a marquee game as is 49ers Eagles as is 49ers Cowboys as is 49er Lions I wouldn't say that Packers Lions is on that same level I wouldn't say Eagles Lions is on that same level because these teams yeah they're good teams that play against each other but the 49ers have added so much intrigue that I think they've kind of been putting a target on their back over the past couple of years uh they They haven't been able to collapse despite the target on their back, I'd say, for multiple seasons. But I'm getting a little worried here that when you enter a game and they're like, oh, gosh, I really hate that 49ers team, you get a little fired up like the Packers were against the Bears week one, I think it's going to come back to bite the 49ers. 
I, that part I kind of disagree with. I feel like the historical rivals, at least as fan bases, you always get up for those games a little bit more than any of the other ones. Like if it's Packers against Vikings, Packers against Bears, like those are the weeks that I'm always really excited for. Those side storylines help me get up more for those like random like out of conference games and all these other things. But uh, it, I, for me. The, those conference games and the, like the Packers Lions Packers Bears those rivalries will always outweigh uh, two out of conference rivalries just from the like the history and everything that that goes on behind it whereas like those things might be like a year to year sort of thing where as like, Packers Lions Packers Bears like that's going to matter for the next like few decades well Ian I want to hear your opinion on this because I'd argue that the stars that shine brighter are there's a quote in there somewhere i can't think of it but i like the rivalries where stuff's happening right now but i kind of understand the idea that the historical rivalries might be able to trump that what are you thinking yeah here's the way i'm going to take apart this take because in my mind nine out of ten the 49ers do not have any right to be chirping other (laughs) teams right like if you look at the 20 years they've had it's you know it's too close to the lines for comfort right for you to be talking any kind of talk they've been talking so in that regard i love that take but at the same time chirping is just such a part of the game you want to get in your opponent's head and so even even if it's not a rivalry even if it's not that big of a game you want to you want your future opponent to be afraid you want them to be be afraid that they're next on the twitter now x chopping block right (laughs) you you want you want them to be afraid that if they lose they are going to hear it and that that's powerful right that not not only takes takes your opponent out of it it brings your fans into it when your fans are on social media and they're seeing you all fired up talking like that they're going to get into the game too and i think that's a powerful tool yeah i think that's a good point uh now ian let's hear it I gave you a full 10 minutes notice to come up with a take. Really did my job here as a host, but excited to see what you came up with. Okay, so I'm going to take us away from football. We're going we're gonna to go to the magical line of hockey, specifically oh, yeah. the PWHL. <laughs> oh, <laughs> heck yeah. Um, I think they should be able to fight. I think they should be able to body check if they want to, right? That, that's, my, that's my take is I don't think they should just decide this at the top um, I think we have a really good chance to build like a players league here, which is to say like a league that is built by the players where the rule sets are kind of inspired by what the players want. We've seen a lot more physicality, like stuff that would be getting called in college that's not getting called. And I think the fans love it. I think it makes for much better broadcast. And I think the players love it. From what I've heard in interviews anyway, they love it. And so in my mind, if they want to drop the gloves, if they want to drop the mitts and go at it, that should be their right, right? It's hockey. It's an it's an intense, it's an emotional game, right? Sometimes, sometimes you just gotta drop your mitts and go at go at the other uh, guy or gal, right? That's just how the game goes. And I mean, I think the fans would love it. I think it would draw a lot of attention to the sport. So if they want to do it, by all means, they should go at it. That's my take. This is a nine point nine. Um, hundred percent agree. I feel like these things like. I don't remember what year it was, but there was a clip of two teams sending out their fourth liners and just immediately <laughs> dropping five-on-five five fight in the middle of the ice to start the game. And it's moments like that that draw the fans' attention. I mean, hockey is a violent sport. It's part of the game. Everyone that, that signs up for it knows what they're getting into. I mean, you, you see the guys with missing teeth and all these other sort of things. I mean, they, they know what's happening. I mean, how fast is a, a puck flying? from a shot on any given play and guys are out there standing with just a half shield 
guarding their face. I mean, that's ridiculous. These guys are tough. They want to fight. Let them do it. But at the same time, I, I, you can't just have, like, no penalties or anything. you got to have, like, bounds on it and oh, yeah. have the refs step in. And, like, it can't just be, like, a straight UFC brawl out there. Like, it, it has to be, be somewhat organized and contained. But I do think you should allow fights to go on. And even hockey, like, the NHL, they have kind of strayed away from trying to have, like, organized fights and that sort of thing as much. But it is a part of the game where two teams, if they have rivalries, they have two guys, like, I mean, they're on the team as their main purpose to be an enforcer. And if it it comes to that point in the game, it it, it is something that teams do prepare for, of, like, having that guy on their roster to handle business when it comes to it yeah i'll give you an eight on this one ian for the most part i'm totally with you uh the players want that level of contact i'd say that you know if they're up for it which i know the players in the pwhl definitely are i know that the players even on the badgers women's hockey team are more than happy to throw some i don't want to say punches but definitely uh you know insert their will upon the other team Uh, the only reason i want to subtract two is that if nfl players had it their way they'd probably want to ban roughing the passer outright and there'd be I think there have to be you have some graves on the field to try and put Patrick Mahomes in afterwards. Um, so there's got to be a point where just because the players want that level of physicality, just like I want to eat Oreos every day, you've got to be that kind of uh, system in place to kind of restrict it. But for the most part, I'm totally with you on that one. Uh, PWHL has really been – I think the ratings have been pretty solid this year, which is good to see. It's awesome seeing these former Badgers, namely Hillary Knight, putting oh, on yeah. the show. So, yeah, I'm with you. Good stuff. Uh Awesome. Well, Ian, thank you so much for joining us at the top of the show. I know you have to review our show. I'm sure that uh, you'll write only positive things because we never do anything wrong. We never make any mistakes. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Eight out of ten, I'll take it. First take. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Actually, well, you take my eight out of ten, and we can almost round Alex's up to a a ten out of ten with a nine out of nine. So nine out of ten. Clearly, you know more sports than either Alex or I do. So yeah, I'll take it any day. Yeah, we feel threatened now, actually. So we're going to jump you, actually, as soon as we <laughs> oh, go to break. But Sounds in the good. meantime, we'll talk about Wisconsin sports. And uh, we said we want to do this segment more on the fly. So what's the segment called? Uh, Badger Sports Update? I don't know. We'll figure it out at some point. But we probably should talk about basketball first because the Badgers were able to break the skid yesterday, uh, lost four straight, and then they took down Ohio State. So did you catch that game? Uh, I did not. I was very, <laughs> very worried. I, so my problem is every single game that I've watched for the Badger basketball team this year, we have lost. Every game that I've watched for Badger hockey, we have won in very exciting fashion. So I, I'm trying to balance my love for Badger sports with my desire for us to actually win the games. And I feel like I'm a bit of a bad luck charm for these Oh, that's what you're going team. with. Well, I, I don't like. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, no, uh, Ohio State was... Uh, uh, a very bad team this entire season. Yeah, so just fired the coach. Was not exactly a game that I was excited to watch to begin with. And uh, after l- watching the way we've lost these last four games, but leading up to that point, I, I was straying away from basketball, to say the least. Yeah, a couple of nice tidbits from that game. Jamison Battle averages just about 13 points a game for Ohio State. Max Klesman gave him the clamps. Battle only had three points with his only shot coming with like 20 seconds left just kind of heaved it at the basket and it went in i don't even know if Klesman was on the floor at that time an incredible defense performance and chucky hepburn nine points to his name didn't really have any in the first half but seven assists no turnovers put the clamps on a very good bruce thornton in the first half and the only reason why thornton got going in the second half was because he got some screens to switch off of hepburn so so nice performances there if wisconsin beats iowa are they back alex 
I, I don't think they ever <laughs> left, but oh. also it's it's yes. I don't. I was also not that great this year. I feel like like they're a solid team as always, but I'm not. I shouldn't say it, but I'm not that scared of Iowa. Ooh, well, I I know that I. Iowa will, is definitely listening to the show right now. We gave him some bullets and board material. Got a quick touch on women's basketball. Had probably, and I'm not exaggerating here. We all know I love the women's basketball team a lot, but I am. I had the most fun I ever had at the Kohl Center uh, on Sunday when they had a 17-point comeback against Penn State at home. They were looking absolutely fried to start it out, and it was a master class from Coach Marissa Mosley, who I'm definitely a fan of, very biased, I will not lie. But, yeah, uh, Wisconsin navigated the press super well. Incredible performance from Sarah Williams, who tied a career high in points and rebounds, 31-15. and 15. She is something else. Badgers play Indiana tonight. Um, Indiana's ranked. It's going to be pretty <laughs> tough, but we'll see what happens. Take it to hockey. Alex, what a series against Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Uh, sweeping the series. Uh, great hockey all around. McClellan uh, standing on his head, as Go. he does every weekend. Uh being named as a, a Mike Richter Award semifinalist uh, today. So uh, exciting to see that uh, for him. But for the Badgers, just a, a great uh, couple of games, uh, hard fought, especially uh, a, a little bit of luck from the refs, I would say. I, I feel like we have to talk <laughs> about it. The, the, two weeks ago, me and Vince were at uh, the Minnesota game on Saturday when uh, two Minnesota goals were called off, allowing us to go to overtime where we winning a shootout uh and then this weekend uh on saturday another goal uh ac- that based on the way they called the play the the two goals that they called off against us one of our goals probably should have been called yes. off uh, <laughs> on saturday but uh luckily the, the cameras at the Cole center go our way and uh i guess they just got some really good angles on everything uh to help this Badgers team out. Yeah, I forgot who it was uh, who scored um, in the second game to give the Badgers the lead, or to, to extend the lead, I should say. Uh, it was like that wraparound. And, it was, and I was um, well, I was with Anthony Winker, a sports director, and he was kind of breaking down uh, the play on the air. And he, he kind of saw it and he said, oh, yeah, like they'll definitely challenge it. It'll definitely get overturned. And then it wound up <laughs> staying that way. It was uh, I'm laughing, but if I was a Notre Dame fan, I would be upset. I believe the actual Notre Dame uh, social media account on Twitter posted the actual clip and said, like, this was overturned, dot, dot, dot. So, wow. Uh, yep. Yeah. And with that, we'll finally jump to softball. Got off to a very great start. Uh, the Badgers have. I don't know why I sound like Yoda for a second there. 4-1 and one to start the young season. And Brooke Kuffel has been unbelievable so far. She has had her Wheaties. I'm not sure exactly what she's doing, but it is definitely working. Through 11 at-bats, she has 8 hits, 4 home runs. That's good for a 717 batting average. And um, Actually, here, tell you what, I'll bring Ian back in. Are you a big baseball guy? Uh, fairly big baseball guy. Okay. Uh, you know OPS, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... Barry Bonds had the record for a season, 1.4 OPS, amount of bases you average per at-bat plus your on-base percentage. And, yeah, he had the record, 1.4. Right now, you want to guess what Brooke Kuffel's at? 1.6. Alex, do you want to throw a guess in there? I think she has to be over 2. 2.8. That's Ooh. wild. Yeah, it is. Um, now, obviously, very small sample size. 
and she's probably going to get worse. I say probably. She will definitely get worse. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to maintain. Very fun to see in the meantime. You know what, Ian? I'm, I just want to turn your mic on here. You're welcome to chime in whenever the heck you want. Oh, sure. It was Sawyer Scholl in the Badgers game. Thank you so much. So I should welcome. have turned your mic on sooner. No, I bet, I, what can I say? I thought you were just like good. an interstellar when he's just like banging on trying to <laughs> more talk less, to his former self. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. And with that, we'll take a two-break. Uh, oh, sorry. Real quick before break, I, I have to uh, – Put you on the hot seat here, Vince. Which question, or uh, with this question, which team would you rather watch? Uh, the the Badgers women's basketball team or the the Badgers women's oh softball team? Oh my gosh! It's like having to choose my favorite child, even though I I feel like I should specify I do not have any children. <laughs> um, it's I gotta go with the women's basketball team mostly because I follow them and because Coach Mo drove thirty minutes to an interview with WSUM. Um, but it's more that they just feel more protagonisty. Honestly, that might be due to their historical struggles, but I'm, I'm loving every win nonetheless. And I you had a good your, time at that game. I right? did, and I, I I love your passion for both these teams. It, it keeps me involved and excited for each weekly update. Yep, I am going to force you to go to a softball game this week. I, it's I told happen. you I would. No, and you said you don't support the team. What? I did never said that. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll do it. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go over some NFL awards. Uh, what else do we have on tap? We're going to talk about some Super Bowl commercials. I don't know why I said that. Like, it's something exciting. It's more of just going to be a rant fest between you and I. And uh, do we have a final segment? Uh, no, I kind of already talked about the Super Bowl, so I, I feel like we Oh, yeah, a little bit of Bucks uh, trade oh, yeah. deadline stuff, really showing the organizational prowess. No, I literally spent a good half hour telling Ian and the rest of the group you had to stay organized when you do your <laughs> show. And here I am on the spot trying to take us to break, not knowing what's going to happen. But we'll find out what happens after we take a break. You'll listen to After Further Review. Hey, Jay, what are you doing? I'm going to walk. But, Jay, the light is red. What if there's a car? You know I don't believe in cars. I'm going to walk. Jay, please. I'm doing it. (gasps) He really put the L in walk. Let's not be like our ex-friend, Jay. It's well known that Wisconsin ranks 46 in the country for jaywalking-related accidents. And with your participation, we could be 47th. Here are some tips to help you obey pedestrian traffic laws. Often find yourself restless at a red light? Carry around a fidget toy or a snack. Look left and right, then left again. Repeat as necessary. Hold hands while crossing the street. If still inclined to break the law, ask a friend to restrain you. Remember... You can't walk if you're hit by a car. Isthmus is here with helpful suggestions for what to do and where to go in Madison. Arts, entertainment, restaurants, and a comprehensive event calendar, along with in-depth news coverage and opinion writing. You can find Isthmus in print each month or online at isthmus.com. Isthmus, Madison's news and culture since 1976. Final half hour coming up on After Further Review. I'm Vince Hesburgh here with Alex Schuster and Ian Wilder joining us for making his WSUM debut. Been killing it so far. It's shown he knows more sports than we do. We'll take it to our laundry list now. Not everything we made into a segment. Last stuff we want to go on a rant about. And Alex, we've got the ultimate rant item here. Super Bowl commercial. Why don't you break it down for us? I feel like the, the last five or so years, Super Bowl commercials have just 
been way overhyped year over year. Everyone just gets super excited for it. And then every commercial is released like a week or two before the actual Super Bowl. So you already know what's going to happen for so many of the commercials. And then seeing them, you're always surprised by a couple. There's so many ones that just leave you with an unsettling feeling, just a lot of mixed (laughs) emotions. And of course, uh, I'm going to sit down and watch all of them during the big game. Of course. And we have our, our best and our worst commercial. Um, I'm, I got to start off with my worst. The, the Timu one was uh, my least yes. favorite by far. By far. The, the audio on it was so annoying, so long, and so loud. It was the most frustrating thing. I, that was the only one that I reached over to my remote and muted the TV every single time I, I saw it pop up. Um, just my, one of the worst things I've ever had to see. I, <laughs> I don't. Like I don't want to shop. That's like, gonna scar you. Forever. I don't want to shop like a billionaire. I'm sorry. And uh, my, my best one, I think the the State Farm, the Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, one. I, I like that one. I I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I want to mention. Uh, according to CNBC, Timo sees fewer new users post Super Bowl, so they spent all that money to lose viewers. Well done from Timo across the board. But just round of applause, real quick for Timo. 10 out of 10. Money well spent. I'm sure that uh, CBS will eat that up. And So I, my best – actually, I'm going to go with worst because, look, I don't mind celebrities in uh, in commercials, but when they – the entire concept of celebrity is like, yes, I am famous person. That's just – that's my biggest pet peeve. So when I watch Doritos and they have mm-hmm. like this long sequence and then Jenna Ortega walks out of nowhere and just takes the Doritos and walk away. It's like what what was her purpose to this commercial? Like she's very famous and very talented. You got to work with that. So what they should have done is they had this whole chase where like the two older people are chasing down this dude. And when Jenna Ortega takes the Doritos, they should have had the old people jump her and start like whacking her with the canes or something. I think that'd be a much better ending than the commercial. I think a lot of people like that one for some reason. I did not. It, it was kind of middle of the table for me. I her kind of personality, it seems like her like branding a little bit is more similar to like uh the Parks and Rec girl. I can't remember the actress's name. Ava um, Plum? Oh, gosh. It's on the tip April, of April Lundgate. A- yeah, Bar- yeah, we'll, we'll just call her that. Yeah. Um, I, like that Baja, I think, whatever, the... Uh, Baja Blast. Or the Mountain Dew, whatever it was. That commercial was so much better, and they used a similar actor, and like I feel like they played into her personality so much better than the Doritos one did. So I, I like that, Vince. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza. I, Thank I you. Yeah, yes, I should have known Yeah, that. she's great. I don't know how I forgot her name. But yeah, you silly said, like, the point is like, oh, I hate this. This is terrible. It's like, and then they kind of incorporate that. But what company did that the best was Paramount Plus. As we mentioned, we already saw the commercial before. And look, if if it was like Mark Wahlberg who threw – who's the cartoon guy? Do you guys – I, uh, I don't know. Like, was it? I don't know the name, but okay. Well, yeah, if, yeah, if it was Mark Wahlberg, it'd be like, yeah, w- whatever. That that's fine. But when you have someone as serious as Patrick Stewart say, "Shut your face," and then show a 1930s NFL costume, like that plays into the celebrity yeah. so well. Yeah. And that's, I think, what made it so funny, especially the... I know it was only for the extended version, but I got an audible laugh when he opens up the play card and it says, throw the child <laughs> on there. But it's not even funny for a commercial. It's funny, period. And I the, loved the Creed in that, too. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, oh, no. That, no, that was, the, it was the, very the, good. The soundtrack in that was yep. just a perfect pairing as well. And I'm going a little bit of a rant here because they tried to do that with Christopher Walken. Uh, he is. He was in the... Was that Lexus commercial? I really should have done one of the cars. I kind of like that one, but also, like, he's not one of my favorite 
personality. Okay, I'll fight you after the show for saying that. <laughs> but yeah, he has a unique voice. He kept trying to make fun of that. But he's not known for the voice. He's known for more cowbell. That's like his thing. And it was right there for the taking. He sits down at the restaurant and the waiter comes over and says, oh, we're making fun of your voice. She could have easily said, would you like some cowbell with that, sir? And it would have been the perfect <laughs> joke. But they didn't do it. I Ugh, it makes me mad. So much potential, so much squander potential. That being said, Timu is still the worst. I, I left it off my. I knew you were gonna say it, but yeah. I one other like, it, like the the message behind the commercial, like I was totally fine with, but the. I think it was He Gets Us. Like, what did they spend? Like, $14 million. Oh, I was goodness. like, that is so much money to spend on, like, that sort of messaging behind it. It was like that. Didn't really love the mixing of, of that. And the also the, the political RFK Jr. ad. Again, that ad by itself was so great. But, like, during the, yeah. part, the Super Bowl, I'm like, I don't want to be... I'm with you. Yeah. Doused with politics and religion during this time. Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a church on Sunday Christian. I'll be the most religion I probably talk about in this <laughs> show. Uh, I did just go to Ash Wednesday Mass, so I had, my forehead looks like I got ran over by a mobility scooter. But uh, yeah, even when I saw that, I was like, "What are we doing right now?" Because it's I think it's like 14 million dollars to put on those two ads. 14 million dollars can do a lot of good work, and I just don't think that was well spent whatsoever. That yeah. he gets us at it looked AI generated. Those, yeah, those I guess images. it wasn't. I thought it was, but really? it wasn't. Imagine how many feet you can wash with fourteen million dollars. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You can wash all the feet. Yeah. No, no one who's atheist is gonna be like, "Oh yeah, we're back, back in it. They got me." Oh gosh. And I want to finally touch on Pat Beverly a little bit because uh, Alex, I'll just say he's a lunatic, and then I'll pass it over to you. I so I have mixed opinions on the trade. Love having a guy like this on our team. He's the type of guy where he, if you're playing against him, you hate him. If he's on your team, you love him. But does he really add enough value and consistency that this team kind of needed? I think the personality is good for when Bobby Portis, like adding that like PJ Tucker kind of like energy, like character for the team, giving us like more of an identity, but also like the basketball, I don't know as much about, but the identity part I think is going to be a huge factor. Um, he's he's such an interesting guy I mean, he does his his podcast through uh barstool and after just uh two nights ago in the middle of their doubleheader against the nuggets and then the heat who, who are two of the better teams in the nba by a, a pretty decent margin yeah uh he decided to drive down uh to chicago show up at their office for uh, a free throw contest uh where they were trying to make 41 consecutive free throws which is uh the team record held by the miami heat for most consecutive made free throws in a single game and uh Needless to say, it took them forever. I think it took him like 16 hours. He showed up at like 1 in the morning, stayed like 90 minutes, made like 86 free throws. Form looked impe- impeccable. The consistency, everything, like watching him shoot made me love him even more. Um, it, I, I mean, I, I thought it was a crazy, crazy thing to do. Such a bad look to show up right after a game yeah, on the night that you have another game. Yes. So part of it, I think he does live in the Chicago area so he would have had to drive down there anyways well you'd think he did also you yeah, don't have a game right. until the next night anyways so I'm assuming you're gonna be sleeping du- like during the day anyways and like resting up for that game afterwards and other guys I'm guessing you're not going straight to bed when you get home after the game every single time like there's probably other guys staying up they're doing way worse things that just aren't on camera of which course. is the worst part about it you can't do you can't show up and be on camera at two in the morning the night before a game it, it's just inexcusable but at the same time what he did on camera made me love him even more so 
I'm kind of in on Pat Bev, probably only because he's on our team. Yeah, he's a psycho, uh, absolutely. But there was a stretch in the first game against the Hornets that really gave painted a picture of who this dude is. Where Pat, Pat or Bucks, there we go, third time's a charm. Uh, he hits a three. The Bucks already winning by a lot. Then he grabs his crotch and does a dance. But then he runs back on defense, sprints, starts pushing Nick Smith Jr. on the Hornets, and then Smith kind of shoves him back. He flops, draws a foul, <laughs> and the Bucks get possession. All when they're up by like 30 points. So that's what sold me on him. He's a psycho. He's a lunatic. I don't know what his role will be, but he's exactly what the Bucks need, in my opinion. And we will jump into our final segment. Hey, it looks like we kind of burnt through this pretty quick here. Oh, yeah. Uh, NFL Awards, we got uh, just... Do you want to give a little recap of the season uh, before we we jump into this at all, or uh, just kind of go through and, and give our super, superlative awards? Well, it was definitely one of the seasons that I've ever watched. Uh, Ian, what would you think of this NFL season? I mean, you already know how I feel. I'm heart I'm heartbroken. Like I still can't talk about that game. Like it's it's kind of that thing where. It came up in class, and uh, like the professor used the box score as an example for something, and I was like shell shocked. <laughs> it was like I was reliving it again. You're talking Lions, Niners. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. I'm not gonna say it, but don't say those words. Yeah, right? that's that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the memories now. Um, but yeah, man. Other than that, the season. I mean, so much to be happy about when there's been so little for so many years. Like for the Lions, what a season. Dan Campbell is just an absolute masterpiece of a coach like what more could you want like oh he's just uh, to a kick w- some field goals <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. maybe maybe punting the ball occasionally right you could make that argument but like as a person I, I can't imagine anyone else I'd want in that spot so like from that regard the future looks so bright for this team when it hasn't in years like the last time I felt this excited about the team was when Megatron was around so that's you know it's it's been a couple it's been a couple good years since then, so I'm really, really happy about the place the Lions are in. And, you know, as long as they're contenders, you know, my expectations are still fairly low. So as long as they continue to um, contend, they'll be beating my expectations. Yeah, I'm glad it was a good season for you, but I don't <laughs> think it was quite the case for most other fan base. It just kind of felt a little... Because the we really needed the Lions as an NFL fan base because they were exciting while a lot of teams were very blech. There was so every team had either a massive injury to their quarterback that just derailed their season, or some other very important position, uh, just at some point during the year. Which I, I I don't know that's that different from any other year of the NFL, but it it seemed like more quarterbacks were affected than any other year. Uh, so that was like one of the big things that was like my takeaway of like. I feel like backup quarterbacks are going to become a lot more important in the future right. because of that. And I, I, I was satisfied with the season, but it, it just felt like we knew like there was a few teams that were like, there's maybe four, maybe five teams that had a true chance at winning the Super Bowl from the start of the season to the end of the season. And things weren't really as close as uh, they might have been hyped up to be at, at times. Yeah, and still uh, what, what kind of shows NFL is king because they still dominate in terms of ratings broadcast across the board. I believe Super Bowl was the, the most watched telecast ever. I think more people watched it than the actual moon landing, which I, I, I've i seen it multiple times. I'm not sure I believe it. but And that, the ratings is surprising for me too because I feel like we had a lot of primetime duds again this yes, year. It wasn't always sure. con- concentrated on the Thursday nights. I feel like it was more Monday nights this year, but... 
Um, I, actually, Monday nights were kind of excited because there was a lot of like upset games on those as well. But it, there were just quite a few weird scheduling decisions that led to just mm. bleh football. Yeah, um, I'm with you. We got some awards to celebrate, and obviously, Alex and I, our awards are they're they're not real awards. We just like. What, so th- these guys aren't getting trophies? They're not. Oh. If, if one of them were to reach out to us, we would definitely like give them a signed piece of paper or something. <laughs> but uh, I have a weird feeling that that's probably not going to happen. Makes we'll start with, with our first award. I, I might need your help on this one, Ian, because I'm trying to think of other candidates right now for funniest play. All I have right now is Jordan Love tries a QB sneak without the football. Yeah, I see. The problem with this was my only other thought was the... Um, was it Greenlaw or Warner that was trying to run back the football? Oh, the, in, it, the injury? That, no, no, not the injury. That was not funny. Okay, uh, I, was I was talking about say, you are the quite end of sicko. season. The end of season. The the pick that ended the Packers season. Um, oh like yeah, Trey Greenlaw was running around yeah. for a while. There was the same thing with the Quay Walker one, where like those were both pretty funny. But I, I feel like the the funny like mistake plays don't stick with you unless it's like as notable as something like the butt fumble. So yeah, I didn't have too many ideas for this one. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I've I've done some research. I think the Jordan Love QB sneak might be the only one. Not to say it's not a worthy candidate of such an award. Uh, I was really high. Like, look, I think Jordan Love's going to be a really polished quarterback and a step right in. And he had a very good season. And obviously, even that game he was pretty solid against the Falcons. But just see no one move on either team except for Love, who's like surging forward and while also trying to reach back and grab the football from the center who has not snapped it. That was. That, that was something else. I will mention to the referee saying I'm talking to America here and interrupting Geno Smith. Jump into our first, I guess, real award? I don't know. We, we just kinda, I just kind of want to talk about Jordan Love. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Uh, the Rodney Dangerfield Award for a player who does not get enough respect. Candidates are Khalil Mack, Trent McDuffie, Raheem Mostert, and Amari Cooper. Ian, you have thoughts on this one? Uh, those are all good candidates. Um, obviously, the list is missing Jared Goff. Um, but... <laughs> Every Lions we, player. We give him respect on this show. Okay. I said he was my MVP pick like four weeks in. That's what I like to hear. We said the, I or I said he was the second best quarterback in the NFC at the end of last season. Yeah, I like his take more. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, both, both, both good. Nine, ten out of ten. For oh, both thank of you so much. Yeah. I don't You're think so I, well. many other people would put him top two, even if it was just in the well, division. No, it was Hurts, and then it was him. him and that yeah. was and and the, Stafford was kind of up there. Yeah, now I think Love has hurt. to be like way up there but number two baby yeah. <laughs> no bias there no yeah, absolutely not uh, anyways as i was saying every packer player is the most underrated no so I- i'm giving cleo mack this award do you guys know how many sacks he got this year no i take a guess 16 16 18 18 it was 17 which saying okay. as soon as i say uh take a guess you know it's gonna be something massive so yeah. I-, I i believe i geared you guys up which you were just about as close as you could get without actually getting it. But, yeah, out of nowhere, Khalil Max had a career high in sacks. I believe he had a six-sat game, kind of propelled that, but he was still very good as a whole. So yeah, he I, my vote. I think Mostert got respect from the, the touchdowns and everything. Yep. I, to me, even now, I'm like, I don't know if he really deserves to be on this list. I feel like he's not the most elite running back. I, I would expect even next year, like, he'll maintain his hold of the backfield there, but... A chain or a, I don't even know how to say his name. I think you just got it. Uh, he is a very good running back, and I, I would expect him to kind of take over a little bit more there too. But it, it still will be a split backfield. But I, I think he might be a little bit overrated in my book. Since you gave wow. it to Cleo Mack, I, I got to go with Mari Cooper. I mean, he was just a monster. No matter who the the quarterback was for the Browns, no matter where he goes, I think he might be one of the most consistent players in football. 
almost every single season is a thousand yard receiving season for him. At a thousand two hundred fifty yards, uh, missed two games. He did end on a very high note. The two hundred sixty five yard performance against Houston that was nuts. Have a pick here, Ian. Yeah, Cooper for sure. Yeah, he he deserved to be more of the conversation of pretty much every conversation. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good way of putting it. Shout out to Trent McDuffie though, first team All Pro out of nowhere. But not next up, the Fifth Amendment Award for player to coach who just needs to stop talking. Some really good candidates here: uh, Sean Payton, C.J. Gardner Johnson. Is that going to be your pick here? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay. Yep. Uh, Debo Samuel, Aaron Rodgers, and a late addition with a good one, Kadarius Tony. I think that has to be the answer right there. I mean, <laughs> going on live stream while your team is playing in the conference championship, and did he do it again during the Super Bowl? I don't know. I know what conference championship enough. It like, and then the worst part is, is you're going to say like, oh, they're just benching me because they like. They don't think I'm good. Like, oh, they're sleeping on me. Like, trashing the team that is probably one of the few that are willing to to take a chance on you if you're yeah. even still on the roster. And then after the fact, the the Chiefs are like, yeah, no, he he's not hurt. He was right. He's he, bad. Yeah, he's just bad. And then he tried to to say no. Like, I think he said something about his live stream getting hacked or something like that. He was like, that was oh, fake. Like, dude, this makes no sense. Just shut up. Yeah, and you could say that you were doing him a favor by saying he was hurt because I'd rather have someone say I'm hurt than just say, yeah, he's so bad, we're not going to play him. And then they forced he forced them to say, yeah, I, yeah, no, you better put some bad. respect on my name. You better say I'm terrible because I am. Dang it. <laughs> I got to go Aaron Rodgers. It's just yeah. that he probably said maybe in terms of pure quantity less stuff than Kadarius Tony. although it's, it's actually pretty yeah, close. No, now definitely that I think about not. It. He's I take on it back. a live show yeah, he, every single I week. take it back. Aaron Rodgers, number one in both quality and quantity, I feel like. And if it was any player, it'd be insane enough. The fact that he's the supposed leader of the squad makes it even funnier. So uh, I, Aaron Rodgers by a mile, in my opinion. As entertaining as he is, I'm, I'm starting to drift away from my love of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. The the memories of him in the green and gold are starting to fade, and I'm just going to associate this era of him as as Jets Aaron Rodgers. There you go. Welcome to the dark side. (laughs) Ian? Yeah, I'll have to go with Aaron. In in actuality, he's just... At first, it was funny. It was kind of funny. Yeah. It's just not funny anymore. Now it's just concerning. It's like, what's going on? Like, you know, there's there's help if you need it, Aaron. Like, just just want him to know that. <laughs> there's help if you need it. Uh, I think he really. I think he's hurting a little bit. But that's a whole other conversation. Uh, shout out to C.J. Gardner Johnson. I think he'd be most of our second pick. He was something else for the Lions this year. Next up, the Bernie Madoff Award for poor investment. Got some good ones on here, but I believe two are standing out amongst the crowd: Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Got to put David Bakhtiari on there as well. That contract not looking good. And Jimmy Garoppolo rounding off the list. I think you have to go to Sean Watson. I would go to Sean Watson. Deshaun. Yep. Yeah, good talk. We'll jump to the next one then. Uh, Uh, The Backstreet Alleyway Award for Biggest Tire Fire. Another obvious one, in my opinion. I mean, the Panthers, just terrible. Don't even have their first pick. It it is a tire fire that's going to burn into next season as well. Okay, I should quickly say the nominees are Panthers, Bears, Jets, and Chargers didn't put the uh, the Commanders or the Patriots on there because we kind of like they just kind of lost. That's all they did. But these other teams, they made it fun. I really thought about the Panthers, but man, the Jets were so much fun this year. I'm sure it'll be much better next year, but just in terms of last season, the, the Jets were a sight to behold. Starting Tim Boyle in a game, oh boy, what a plot twist! Ian, what are you thinking here? Yeah, um, 
yeah, give me the Panthers. Like, if you can't even win, uh, sorry, if you can't even lose correctly, like, and get that first round pick, like, what's the point? Like, if you're if you're <laughs> going to lose, you might as well lose with a purpose. And their season was definitely to a point where you might as well just lose, try and find some diamonds in the rough. But they just they didn't even lose right. And for that, like, it's a it's a clear pick for me. Yeah, I, I totally understand the pick. I'm on the verge of changing it, but now I'm too engrossed in myself and I view you guys as outsiders. So I'm gonna stay with my in group and keep with the Jets. But when you add David Tepper throwing drinks on fans, it's tough <laughs> oh, not to give them the award. Know. Next up, the Monty Python the Holy Grail Award for funniest performance. Oh boy, there were some good games in there in terms of purely comedic value. First among them, Dolphins dropping 70 on Denver, opting not to break the record, taking a knee at the end. Joe Flacco stays up past his bedtime to annihilate his former team. Cowboys somehow find a new low versus the Packers. Of course, I'm referring to that playoff matchup. And Zach Wilson takes it personally versus the Texans. That one's not my pick, but it was so funny seeing Zach Wilson have a career performance a week after uh, Coach Salas said that he will not be playing again. I think... We're missing one here, and that's the Raiders Chargers. I don't oh, even know yes. what happened. And oh, that, yes, that's yes, my yes. winner for this one. Um, I that that was just the most bizarre game of all time. I'm not sure if anyone was actually watching it. Uh, I watched the recap of it, and like, still, I, I'm I don't even know it. who won that game. It, it, it was just oh, I know a, who won. An absolute <laughs> disaster. Um, yeah. Well, so. What the Chargers put up? How many points? And they put up twenty-one. Fourteen came in garbage time. Yeah, near the end of the fourth quarter. The Raiders, uh, sixty-three. And they started. I think every single like the first like five possessions of the game were just all Chargers turnovers. It, it was an absolute disaster. Yeah, you've actually changed my mind on this one. Even though it wasn't even a nominee, it's almost it ran up to the stages as a big surprise uh, Oscar performance and. It really was. I just remember just kind of checking in the game, like, oh, yeah, there's football tonight. What's the score? And I saw it was, I think I caught it when it was like 42 to 7. <laughs> I thought it can't get worse than this. And yet it was. Any thoughts on this one, Ian? Yeah, give me the Dolphins. Like, if you're yeah, going to if, if you're gonna put up that many points and then just take the knee to show respect, come on. Let's, let's be real. You didn't need that many points in the first place. So if you're going to be fully competitive, just go for the record. Yeah, I love the idea. James Winston yeah. is willing to dive across or uh, run a play out of <laughs> victory formation at the goal line in a meaningless a game point. they can't even make the playoffs or anything and you have a chance at all-time records one that will probably never get broken and <laughs> you just pass it up by taking a knee then yeah i like the idea of, of disrespecting team by dropping 70 on them but hey we'll, we'll ease up yeah show some respect guys come on yeah <laughs> Oh, man. We'll jump to the Citizen Kane Award for most cinematic game. I really did love the Joe Blacko game, though, that, that, just to throw that in there. But back to this award, uh, basically just best game. Uh, Rams versus Ravens, Cowboys versus Eagles, uh, Patriots, make, or sorry, Packers made a comeback against the Saints, Chess versus Bills in the opener, and uh, I see you have thrown Chargers Raiders at the bottom of the list here, Alex. Uh, it was kind of cinematic the same way the movie Pixels with Adam Sandler was cinematic. I think the... This Packers bias, but that, that Packers Saints game was one that uh, felt like a movie for me. I did not expect that to happen. Uh, I'll be real quick. I'll go Jets Bills. I love the Packer game, but man, that punt return touchdown was nuts. Oh, and it started I forgot off. about that. Yeah. But no, you make a solid pick there. Trust me, I'm a Packer fan. Ian? Yeah, the Packers fans are going to love this coming from a like uh, conference rival, but that Packers game, it was, it was cinematic. I felt like I was watching a movie, so yeah, that Packers game gets it for me. Awesome. Now, I just want to say this next. 
category was not mine. So it's not that we don't know football. It's that Alex doesn't know football. Hanging Harry Ward for the coach that somehow stole the job. Zach Taylor, Robert Sala, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, Mike McCarthy. What? These are just Ever guys that is the answer. still He's not even oh, on there. Shoot. Yeah. How did I miss it? I, I honestly thought he had gotten fired. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, he he is the answer here. Okay, uh, I was just putting these other guys in there as like f- decent fan bases that their fans are somehow mad at their coach for, which I fair enough. Kind of doesn't make sense. Brightest future award for a team that have the most success in the next five years, Chiefs. Yeah, obvious one. Yep, there you go. Least likely to succeed award for a team that will end up with the first pick next year, Panthers. Yep. Panthers, awesome. And with that, that will do it for after further review. Great show today. Thank you so much, Ian, for coming on, Alex. As always, it's a pleasure. I'm Vincent Hesburgh. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great rest of your day.